0: Welcome to Social Selling Simplified. I'm your host, Ashley Shaw. In today's episode, I sit down with Bill Durant. Now, Bill started off as a digital consultant to Fox, MGM in Sydney, Australia, and then he moved to Los Angeles where he worked in media planning and strategy for some of the best known brands such as Wells Fargo and Nestle. And then, after a phone call from Cliff Bar in 2011, Bill founded and still leads the fastest growing full service media agency in the world, Xversus Media. Xversus empowers growth stage culture creating brands through data, creativity, and insight driven media planning. In short, he gets to develop creative media ideas and grow brands that he actually believes in. Now, one of the things you need to know about Bill is that he believes that the key to understanding growth for brands comes from science and not just trial and error. And in this episode, we dig into the layers of strategy. So if you are looking at your social media or your ad strategy as one dimensional, like I put an ad out there, I should get a result. You're definitely going to want to listen in on how he breaks down ad strategy into strategy, planning, and buying. Bill, thank you so much for being on the show today. I'm super excited to dive in with you. So let's start right from the beginning here. So can you share a little bit with me what you currently do now and some of the some of the companies and brands that you've worked with?
2: Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, and it changes every day, but there is a through line. Uh, I am the president and founder of Xveris Media and We are a media agency, so an advertising agency. Of course, the the more business and numbers and strategically oriented side of the business versus the more creative development side. And we're really focused on answering the central question of how can we help your brand grow? And so as we partner with brands and we work with brands across a number of different categories, but you can kind of see we're a little bit focused in the packaged goods space and food and beverage. Um, all the way from our initial client, uh, which was Cliff Bar, um, here in the U.S. and Canada. And now the clients that include Coca-Cola, uh, Suja, Premier Nutrition, across borders, um, and primarily, though, of course, within within North America, uh, but also other brands that are in broader spaces. So thinking about brands like Masterclass or Voodoo, uh, both of which streaming space. Uh, and growing appropriately, uh, thanks to Covid. So we work with a, a number of different brands across those categories, and again, really try to answer that core question of how can we help this brand grow? It's a little bit different for each brand, but central to that is being able to answer the question a little bit more objectively and to know where to begin and where to start before we begin tailoring their individual approaches.
0: And so what I think sometimes the idea of a an agency, Can be a bit mystical for people in terms of what you actually do. And I love how you said, like, you're like the statistical side, the analytical side of things. So, what is a KPI you would say, maybe there's a couple, but that you impact most often that you feel is like the best return on investment that your company provides? That might be a tough question, but I'm going (laughs) for it. (laughs)
2: <laughs> I love it. Um, you know, I think at the end of the day, we're trying to, to do one thing, which is to increase sales. Mm-hmm. How we do that or what KPI we use, you know, does depend on the brand and their objectives, but it typically falls under one of two big buckets. The first of which is what we would call kind of performance marketing. And this is where you're seeing the results of your work in a more direct, trackable fashion Uh, Whether it's something as obvious as working with Amazon on where are we placing advertising for our brands in order to maximize sales? And what is the return on ad spend that we're getting? Because we're going to get a number back from them. Uh, Of course, the brands that are sold in a more direct to consumer fashion uh, or e-commerce based fashion, uh, where they're asking who is driving sales? Is it Facebook? Is it LinkedIn? Is it some other digital property? Uh, who's driving sales for us, we can track this, we can understand it, of course, make optimizations based on that. Um, you go from that world to, you know, what should actually be combined with the second world, which is awareness. And awareness being this broader idea that if we reach people enough and in the right ways, and this can feel mystical sometimes, but we like to put science behind it. If we're reaching people enough and in the right environments with the right messaging, Uh, we can ultimately influence brand sales and influence brand sales, not just in the short term, but also building a brand and doing that over the long term as well. So that's usually what it comes down to um, when clients ask us if we've been successful together. They'll know at the beginning of the campaign or the work that we did together uh, for that particular year, did we set it up against performance? Did we set it up against awareness? Uh, And of course, did we set it up for both, which is the ideal scenario?
0: Okay. So in your world, do you normally step in and take over like the sales and marketing department and then you guys sort of run the whole thing or are you guys fractional? Yeah,
2: I would say that we're more fractional. So you hire us more so to be an extension of your existing marketing team, Mm -hmm. uh, ultimately to generate demand. So, you know, what is the strategy behind how we're going to utilize paid media and advertising? That's what we're going to help you with first. We're going to understand who we're speaking to, why we're speaking to them, types of messaging that we're actually going to be reaching them with, and ultimately, how do we consolidate that into a media plan that achieves the objectives of the brand? And if we're doing our work properly, then the sales team and the marketing team within that organization. Uh, should have a lot more work to do and a lot more busyness, uh, a lot more leads to convert uh, if that's the business that they're in, a lot more product moving off the shelf if that's the business that they're in.
0: So you guys would be so you said like more fractional. And when you set up a strategy for some someone in terms of like paid ads and media, they would usually have their own Facebook ads team and that sort of thing. But you guys are coming in and setting up the strategy, or do you guys run ads as well?
2: So we do run the ads as well. So we manage from strategy uh, to what we call planning, which is kind of putting the nuts and bolts together, uh, to buying and the ultimate analysis and optimization. Everything working together, we found, is, is the most appropriate and most effective way. But that, of course, has to fit within the broader work that a team is doing, that a brand is doing around their marketing overall. Um, I think you know the piece that gets lost sometimes that's become so important, though, is that final piece. So if we go from strategy and planning and all the negotiation and buying that takes place, it's the what happens next. And that's the analytics piece. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got access to more data than ever before, which is yeah. you know great on one hand, uh, but challenging on the other for marketers because what do I do with all this data? How do I interpret it? And how do I understand it? A big part of what we're doing each day is not only optimizing towards what's driving sales for our mm-hmm. clients, but we're also kind of let's say demystifying it somewhat in that we're able to translate and pull out actual insights from the data that are more than just observations about things that have happened. It's more trying to understand why things have happened and what theories do we have that will improve their performance for the future.
0: Which is, I know we had talked about your stance on things is more about understanding growth from science. So backing it in data versus this idea that you just kind of keep testing trial and error and solely be relying on that to figure out what that sort of, you know, silver bullet is.
2: Yeah. You know, one of the challenges with the, the trial and error approach, and, and this is something that all organizations go through, mm-hmm. um, including our own, as we, as we think about marketing ourselves, right? One of the challenges with trial and error is that we tend to look at tactics and choices in isolation. And so we're trying to understand, well, I tested out Facebook, and here's what happened. I tested out LinkedIn, and here's what happened. Uh, I tested out PR, and here's what happened. So on down the line. Ultimately, though, what we found is that science tells us that, you know, life is better together, right? We're we're all dealing with COVID, and we all know life is better together. And we're not as whole when we're apart from the ones that we love. It's the same thing in marketing. Mm -hmm. And when you're combining tactics appropriately... Through a more effective strategy, that's when you're actually going to see the most success. Versus trying to understand them individually.
0: Got it. And so, what do you think is working? And I know this is again, it's a loaded question because different things (laughs) are working in in different areas. But when you plan these pieces together, the strategy, the planning, and the buying, like, what are the key things that you're thinking about when you're putting together that whole holistic plan?
2: Yeah, you know. That goes all the way up to the highest levels of strategy. And that's, I think, a good thing because as I kind of explain this a little bit, you'll see how it uh, applies to your situation, even though everyone's situation feels so unique and often is uh, and feels so different. What do I have in common with an e-commerce brand if I'm a service-based business and vice versa? Uh, What do I have in common with a brand that's running on television, you know, tens of millions of dollars if I'm a brand that's really focused on social media? And ultimately, what it comes down to is understanding uh, your strategy and the strategic approach that you're taking. And to boil it down to its most almost reductionist concept is this idea that we have around layers. So as you think about layers, how, you know, ogres have layers, onions have layers. We've all seen Shrek, you know, marketing plans have layers too uh, when they're most effective. So if I'm an advanced 10, 20, 100 million dollar plus marketer, I know the, you know, the consumer purchase funnel and all of those kind of marketing school and business school-type concepts inside and out. And so the idea of layering makes inherent sense as I think about how I'm gathering as many consumers as possible in the awareness stage, yeah. And then that funnel starts to shrink down as I go to consideration. Uh, And of course, then to purchase and then beyond that to advocacy of my brand. So I'm already working with these frameworks if I'm living in that world. But that idea and that concept of layers and even the funnel applies to everyone. And I know that you've talked about this on your podcast um, quite a bit. And as we think about even within social channels or just within Facebook, even as one example of a channel, I want to know how am I? working on a strategy that combines tactics and combines different approaches to ultimately create more synergy and better results than if I had just tried to focus in one specific area. I'll give you an example of what that means. What it means is, do I have uh, organic content or paid content, again, just within Facebook, that is designed to create awareness of my brand? to create affinity around my brand. That is not asking consumers to take any specific action, except perhaps to dig around some more and to learn a little bit more about what I do. Simultaneously, am I asking them to take action? Am I including what we call lower funnel tactics? Again, just within Facebook, let's say shop now, buy now, do this, here's a sale, here's what's happening. Asking for the sale and how important that is. And again, simultaneously, I thinking even in the middle of that, if I get someone's awareness and I'm starting to build out a base of really relevant customers or potential customers for myself, what's going to happen if they decide that on that buy now or that stop now or that learn more ad that they then saw a little bit later on, if they want to go ahead and do that? Well, they might want to do a little bit more research into me. So what's going to happen when they do that, when they're searching for me or when they're clicking on my brand's page within that social environment? Have I layered in the ability to drive trust? Have I layered in consumer reviews or customer reviews? Uh, Have I layered in additional tactics and invested in those places, even when they don't show up as paid advertising, in fact, especially when they don't, so that people are ready to actually go ahead and buy and make that sale? So as you think about layering, as you market your organization or business or brand, that is applicable all the way from the most scientifically judged $100 million plus campaigns and all the way down to what an individual entrepreneur needs to be thinking about while they're starting their business, even if they're just focused on one particular channel.
0: I think the the part that you've probably just blown up for a lot of people listening would be their focus typically is very, it can be one dimensional, right? Like you're often told when you're a solopreneur in the social selling industry, like, you know, it's all about being an influencer. It's all about the likes. It's all about the engagement. And yet what is so interesting about what you've said is that that's a piece of it. That's a layer, but that is not how you, you know, you got to start with driving awareness. Like that's got to be there first before you try like engagement is not gonna be, you know, linked hand in hand specifically with growing the brand. Like there's a piece it plays. Cause I just find there's there's a lot of people that get just so caught up on how many likes did that get. And it's it's just it feels like it's it's got, you know, there's a piece of it that is important, but it depends on how it fits in that overall strategy.
2: That's exactly right. And 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 well put you know we see all the time you know because of the size of our company and our organization and the types of brands that we work with you know we'll work with we have, you know billion dollar brand that's a client we have a brand new startup that's trying to get distribution and its first retailer that's a client so we see the whole the whole spectrum and you know the one thing and the one area that we we've kind of you know accidentally specialized in a little bit is hitting that next level of growth and folks that found that influencers, for instance, were super successful for them and they really focused and put a lot of their dollars into influencers or put all of their focus into a particular retail strategy in terms of how they're communicating to consumers. Whatever it was, they found that what got them there won't get them to the next level. And that's really when that strategic piece becomes even more important. But if you're thinking about that from the start and creating that strategic framework from the start, creating those layers from the start, you're ultimately going to find that you're more successful. And this is not just based on our experience, which is extensive and very valid and useful, but it's also based off of the actual science and the research and you know what we call meta-studies, where people are analyzing over a thousand brands and trying to understand. What are the through lines that help them grow and achieve the most effective growth? You know, as you think about that, you know, that's when it starts to kind of become clear that these aren't just anecdotal ideas. These are ideas that are borne out by research. And I think that's a really important element too, because we want objectivity. We don't want people with agendas telling us to focus on their particular favorite channel or idea or concept. We want as much objectivity and verifiability that we can have. And then we tailor those learnings to our individual brands.
0: Yeah, thinking you already know, like, oh, this is my channel, or these are the types of posts or whatever, like, it's like, wipe that slate clean here for a sec. Let's go back to the science and the meta meta studies. So I'm curious, I have two questions for you. So when you talked about the layers, we talked about awareness at the top, and then we're going to move into trust and building rapport. Would you typically look at it always as a funnel or are you familiar with Ryan Dice? Oh, I don't
2: know that I'm familiar with Ryan Dice. Okay. Does he have another model or framework?
0: Yeah. he's like blown my mind recently. He like a marketing flywheel. So, you know, he talks about mm-hmm. awareness, engagement, subscribe, convert, excite, and then your ladder. It's, it's all going to, you know, it's all going to be very similar in terms of is it, you know, the funnel or, or a flywheel. But so you've got awareness at the, the widest point. You want to make the most people aware before it kind of tapers in. What would you say is the next stage you guys look at? Is it building trust from there?
2: Yeah, I think it's, you know, I think you're, you're always or typically aiming to build trust
0: mm-hmm. as
2: almost kind of a latent element, as a subtextual element of what you're trying to do. And if you want to get more technical, you kind of start looking at stages. Well, we consider the next stage to be involvement. So involvement is, is probably the hardest stage to pin down. Uh, So I'll come back to it. (laughs) (laughs) But after that is where active consideration is like the consideration stage. And that's where people are really understanding, doing their research, looking at and finalizing that final subset of brands, which got smaller because of COVID. Think about buying a car. How many car dealerships are you going to go to to test drive this time around? Mm
0: -hmm. One or
2: two, not four or five. Mm -hmm. And consideration stage, though, is a lot easier and I think simpler to grasp uh, just because it Precedes purchase. Mm -hmm. But if we jump back to involvement, which is that second stage, that to me is like the sneaky element or part of a media plan for our clients that is secretly the most effective. Mm -hmm. And the reason why is because involvement is really focused around showing someone how your product, brand, service, solution fits into their life. Mm -hmm. How does this fit into my lifestyle? Do we have the same values? as an individual, I'm the organization that's selling to me. And if you can start to answer those questions for consumers and or appear in the environments where that's sort of implied, you know, if you're a ski brand, you want to be on on the snow.com and not just on any website across across the universe, how are we creating that deeper level of involvement and engagement? Because I think that's ultimately going to propel you and give you a much, much, much higher increased likelihood of having uh, rather being in someone's final consideration set. Cause if you're not in their final consideration set, it's really hard to change that at the last second for a mm-hmm. brand. Yeah. And it's really hard to, to then get purchased. Mm-hmm. So that's what we think about. We also think about as we look at funnels versus flywheels, which is, you know, such a fabulous term that Amazon started to popularize about six or seven years ago. But it's really just a virtuous cycle, right? You're creating a virtuous cycle where success here begets success here, begets success here, and it comes back around. We also look at this whole process now as being completely disrupted by the rise of digitization and almost being like a timeline. So we think about like back to the future a little bit, like you're in the DeLorean, where in the past it used to be that if you weren't aware of a product, if you didn't see that product in the Ed Sullivan show, it was never going to be purchased when you actually got to the store. But now we're at a point where consumers can actually find out about your product the last possible second. It's tougher to get a purchase. but They can actually jump all the way to advocacy to see how other consumers think about your brand before they even come back to the idea of involvement. How does this fit into my life? Does this brand have the same values as me? And so consumers are jumping around now because we have access to so much more information, we can kind of short circuit and create our own consumer journey. And that's a very different experience than where marketing had been for, you know, at least 50 or 60 years, but probably hundreds of years before
0: it. That's super interesting. So with all these different stages then, how does the science educate your understanding? of these different areas. And again, that might be a big question. But
2: yeah, it's a big question, but I, I do think there's one way of kind of, of framing the answer, which is that when we talk about awareness, you know, and that's a concept that took me a couple of years in the field to really, I think, truly grasp. Um, but if we even talk about something as broad as awareness, the real question is is actually these days, awareness by who? Awareness from whom? And is it a very finite audience that I know that I can target really tightly in a digital environment? Is it this big, massive audience that's out there in the world? And, you know, that's where the science comes in and starts to help us understand things. Mm -hmm. There are some frameworks that tell us that, you know, more kind of finite, smaller, super targeted digital audiences Are a more appropriate place to be, and I would say that that is almost always true. If you are working with very limited budgets, if you're just starting out, in particular, even if you're just a startup, uh, that's of course going to be very true because it's going to help you stay really focused and save money from an overall out-of-pocket standpoint. But the secret that a lot of those folks won't kind of share when they're kind of espousing this idea of digital targeting and finite targeting and very particular specific audiences, is that research actually shows us that the more reach your brand has, the better it's going to do, the more sales it's going to generate. And that's, of course, acknowledging this idea of gasp, there's, there's going to be some waste. And it's because it's casting a wider net. And it's because it's doing that in a way that's typically more efficient from a cost standpoint. And so what you're finding is that that broader approach is how your brand grows when it's kind of been stuck at one particular level, cast that wider net, grow utilizing reach and maximizing awareness of your brand. That's the other element. We're so focused on short-term goals. Mm -hmm. All of us are, this includes me as a business owner, me as somebody who does client service for a living. We're so focused on short-term goals as a society and as individuals. We wanna know what the sales were for this day, this week, this month, this quarter. Uh, let alone this year. And if we are always focused on that, it's going to make us much more likely to focus our advertising or our marketing on the shop now, buy now, do this, please buy, type marketing. And, and I equate marketing very broadly, uh, don't tell my wife this, to dating, which mm-hmm. is that you know if you're constantly just walking up to someone that you don't know and doesn't know you very well, But you know that they're like kind of your target, they're your type. And you're just constantly asking them out on a date. How's that gonna go? (laughs) Not particularly well. If that person knows more about you, understands you, understands kind of how you fit into their world, how you fit into your own world. um, And they've got more experience with you and being around you and taking time to let a friendship or whatever else develop the likelihood of you being able to successfully ask that person out on a date, is much, much, much higher. And that's the way that we want to look at, at marketing too, is that we want to stop kind of saying, stop now, stop now, stop now all the time. Mm -hmm. We want to give them an awareness and an understanding of who we are, which very often, if you're doing it right, implicitly builds that trust. So there's that trust again. And if I trust you and I've heard about you, And then I'm being asked to make a purchase decision, who am I more likely to go with? You or someone else that I haven't heard about? Mm -hmm. So when you can really get those pieces working together correctly, and the research tells us that on average for a brand, it's about 60% in that brand building space and 40% in that short-term kind of activation space of shop now, buy now, do this, do that if you can get your balance for your brand, right, it's going to be different for each individual story. But if you can kind of work from that framework and get that balance, correct, you're ultimately going to have the best results, not just in this quarter, but you're going to be setting yourself up for future years as well. And that's, that's the sneaky part mm-hmm. about how to invest your dollars is to do it in a way that's building your sales today and tomorrow.
0: So then does it, line up that your budget is 60-40 in those areas as well? Would you say like you're spending 60% of your advertising budget in the branding awareness that side versus 40% in activation?
2: Generically and broadly, that's exactly it.
0: Mm-hmm. And
2: that is going to be different. So we have we have some really fantastic e-commerce brands that we have as clients. And for them, just to get to a flip of that, 40% brand, 60% you know by now uh, is still a little bit of a journey. And it's going to be a different set of figures and numbers and ratio really that's right for them versus a packaged goods brand that we work with for whom we can be 80-20 or 70-30 around brand building, uh, but still making sure that we're getting that kind of immediate sale in and we're closing the deal. Well, we don't have to be as focused on that as the brands that are sold in more of an e-commerce fashion. So it is gonna depend on your brand, but that's if if you're starting from that framework and understanding that very broadly and saying, this may not be perfect for me, but I understand the principles behind it, you're gonna be doing your brand a huge favor and you're gonna be giving yourself, I think, a lot more discipline. And when you have that discipline in place, that's when you see, again, those results that aren't just in the short term from the buy now, but are in that long-term as well. And the work that's happening even after you've run your advertising uh, Mm -hmm. months and years down the road.
0: And so with that idea then, what numbers... So when I first got my business up and running, I had no idea about Facebook ads. Like I just studied, I was like talking to (laughs) Facebook ad people all the time just to try to educate myself And I was like, holding on to my budget so tight. I was like, I'm not going to spend a dollar unless I know I'm going to get two back, you know, like, Mm -hmm. was very tightly holding on to that when I was just getting started and building things. So what sort of metrics do you look at when you're sort of, because this is a bit of a different viewpoint of, you know, you know, you're going to spend more in uh, one aspect for the long term, like, Is there, are there a couple of metrics that you watch instead of just, you know, pure output versus what's coming back in?
2: Yeah. You know, and that's, and that's, that's actually tough. And that's where the discipline can come in sometimes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we know that if you're just running Facebook ads, if you're a smaller enterprise, you're just starting out, you know, it's probably not worth it to invest more heavily in research. Mm -hmm. If you're bigger, there's new, more accessible research out there. Uh, it's, it is machine learning based. It's really fantastic models that can be built. And those models are now under six figures. They're into the five figures. And those models can actually help your brand understand what is the short term and long term impact of the decisions that I'm making mm-hmm. and model out for the future and say, where should I be investing in the future? You don't have to make any decisions without data, which is really cool. And that goes for offline, too. So it's online and offline. And that's the beauty of it. But if you're online only, you're really focused in one space, that's where the discipline comes in because you are going to have access to the same conversion data or ROAS, return on ad spend data, if that's what the platforms that you utilize um, gives you back. You're going to have access to that same data the whole way through without some bigger, fancier model in place. So to know and to understand that if I'm building my brand, and I'm looking at my short-term results, you're going to have to compound those over time. And you're going to have to look for continuous improvement in your acquisition costs and in your cost per conversion. And it's not going to be a new set of numbers that you're looking at. It's going to be looking at the same set of numbers differently Mm. over time and allowing for the fact that you're not going to have instant gratification, which especially for me is super hard.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. And so what are these models that you speak about when you're in that research phase?
2: Yeah, so these are, they're simultaneously super advanced and also super accessible, which is really cool. It used to be, you know, I worked with Nestle for a long time. I was on their agency team. And if they were launching a new brand, they would have to invest well into the six figures to have research done that helped them understand What the marketplace looked like and what the impact would be if they invested in advertising and it took a long time to run Uh, it was useful Mm -hmm. but it took a while to run and it was super expensive and it did require some manpower uh, from different teams contrast that with where we are today where those models still exist and they're still useful Mm -hmm. but now we have models and there's companies we use one called concentric market who can do this for five figures for lower six figures, if you want a really advanced model, where they're ingesting all the data from your particular category or product uh, area, understanding are the brands in your competitive set advertising, taking in all the sales data that you have access to and taking in any past marketing data that you've done. And then those simulations, as they're called, essentially then tease out and understand the impact of all of the individual elements of your marketing mix, especially the ones that couldn't really be tracked directly before Mm -hmm. and help you understand what is contributing the most, Mm -hmm. how are things working together? Because we know that they work together better than trying to do one tactic on its own. Mm -hmm. And then saying, what would happen if I invested more dollars into the future? So again, probably not something you're going to be doing if you're in the you know six or, or kind of low seven figures in sales, mm-hmm. but how can I find a more uh, efficient way to do advanced simulations to maximize my marketing mix? You know, it becomes a no brainer if I can do that for let's call it $75,000 and know that in the end, I'm going to be saving significantly more than that.
0: Right. That's so cool. I've never heard of that before. So that is... Super interesting.
2: And super um, nerdy, I might add.
0: <laughs> and so what are your, who are your favorite people to follow and learn from around marketing? Like where's a good kind of place to, to start for those that are interested in like learning more about this side of things?
2: Yeah, you know, I think a lot of what we espouse is... You know, huge marketers, again, we're talking folks in the $100 million plus range, they kind of know some of this stuff already, if not all of it, and more. But a lot of the folks that we work with, especially folks that are in the startup phase or have grown from the startup phase, where they had kind of one or two individual marketing tactics that worked for them, you know, it's surprising for them to understand that not only is TV, regular old linear TV, still relevant. It's shrinking, I might add, but it's still mm-hmm. relevant. It's actually more effective now as a result of, you know, kind of the mass digitization of society and of media. and That's a really beautiful, good thing, but it surprises a lot of them. And so we find ourselves kind of in alignment and agreeing with the folks that very oddly call themselves the contrarians, you know, mm-hmm. uh, whether formally or, or very informally. Uh, there's one called the ad contrarian. Love him. Forget his name. Just mm-hmm. show him as the ad contrarian. Uh, amazing to look up and to understand. You won't think about digital marketing the same way after you read his work. We would advise that digital and traditional are always better together. And then, of course, you know, you've got folks that are actually out there doing the research. Les Binet and Peter Fields uh, are two, uh, you know, essentially, you know, scientists of marketing. And then you're also looking at Byron Sharp, who's down in South Australia, uh, who wrote the book, How Brands Grow. Mm-hmm. And then I want counterpoints to that because they're saying some of the things that we talked about today. In fact, they're the ones doing the groundbreaking research, but there's folks that disagree with them. So I want to understand what Gary Vee thinks, <laughs> even if Gary Vee and I don't always see eye to eye, yeah. you know, look at the amazing work that he's done, the business that he's built and how much he's done for social. And I want to understand like, why he thinks the way that he thinks and what he thinks. Because for me, it's not just about developing one mindset and then saying, we're going to stick to that mindset and that paradigm forever and ever. Amen. It's saying, how are things evolving? What's yeah. getting more effective? What's getting less effective? How do we need to think about our, our mixes for marketing in the future? Um, while also saying at the same time, you know, it's 2021 right now. I need a marketing plan. I need a media plan for 2021. I need to know what's going to work today. Not what Gary V's vision of the future might be and where things may be headed. Although I want to know that too. I want to make sure that I'm grounded, but I'm also getting ready for what's next.
0: Yeah. I love that. So Bill, where is the best place for people to learn more about you, about your agency and yeah, to just get a, a, you know, behind the scenes look?
2: Yeah, I think the best place to, to learn more in general about the things we've talked about today is in our book, Digital Stone Age. Um, so Digital Stone Age is available on most major platforms, certainly Amazon uh, leading the pack there. It's where most, uh, most of the sales are coming from. We definitely encourage you to pick up the book to get more details, more specifics, and even more citations so that you feel confident with the information. And then uh, the best place really is through Xverus. So Xverus is the agency and uh, I'm heading things up. So our website is www.xverus.com, E-X-V-E-R-U-S. And um, you can reach out to us there and, and I'll probably give the message.
0: Awesome. Well, I really appreciate your time today, Bill. Thank you so much.
2: Thank you. It was great. Appreciate the questions.
0: I hope you enjoyed today's episode of Social Selling Simplified. Be sure to subscribe to the show. And while you're there, leave a rating and review. I read each and every one, and I love hearing from you. Thanks so much for tuning in. And we'll see you right back here next week on Social Selling Simplified.